Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. If you believe that we're being visited, and then you might say, well, I wonder why they're coming here to eat us or to exterminate us or conquer us as scientists to study us. This isn't just a science problem. It's much, much more than that. It is something that will likely impact every aspect of our lives. The day we find out it's not just us, we will have our eyes and minds opened to amazing things. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hey cuties and welcome to a brand new episode of Almost Adulting with me, your big sister, your host, Violet Benson. So we are now in the month of December. Last week we had an amazing solo episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't, go listen to it right now. Don't be an idiot, okay? You're literally missing out on the best advice ever and it's called, are you damaged goods? And obviously the answer is no. So if anyone's making you feel like you are, go listen to that episode. It's going to be very helpful. Aside from that, every Tuesday this month, I will be putting out a horoscope dating zodiac sign episode. So make sure you check it out. So every week on Tuesday for the month of December, it will be three different zodiac signs and how to attract these men and what they like, what they don't like and how to tell if they like you and so on. So that's fun. Okay. So today's episode is super fun. I decided since last week, it was a solo episode this week. I wanted to make it very interesting. So it is all about aliens. Whether you believe it or not, you're going to love this conversation. It is really cool. The guy is amazing. I'm so thankful he got to join my show and I just wanted to do something different since it's December and we're winding down. So I thought it would be kind of the perfect episode for us to just chill out. You know, I can't tell you how terrible your dating life is every single week and how you can do better mentally. You know, sometimes it's time to just chill the fuck out and just listen about aliens and how they're going to take over the world and we're going to die any day now. (laughs) You know, like super chill things like that. No, I'm kidding. That's not the whole conversation. But let me see. What can I update you on my life before we get started? Well, one cool thing that's happening for me is basically this. So for a while now, I've had a pen pal, my platonic girlfriend, Daniela, and we've been pen pals for a while. She's an actor, but she lives across the world. We found each other because she was listening to my podcast. Big fan as, you know, many people listen to it. Thank God. I'm so thankful for all of you. So basically, she reached out one time and then we started chatting and then we moved from chatting DMs to chatting on WhatsApp. And then we just became somehow pen pals where we would constantly update each other on our work life to our dating life, especially because her and I both, for the most part, don't share most of this information with other people. So it was kind of easy to confide in someone you've never met and you don't have no friends in common. And basically, after months of just becoming, I would say, WhatsApp pen pals where we FaceTime and chat on WhatsApp, she is actually finally going to come down this Sunday to stay at my house for a week. So I'm really excited for that. It's always really fun. I always randomly invite random people I've never met in my life to stay with me. It's always been my thing. I don't know if you've listened to my anti-Semitic episode from a couple of weeks ago, but I kind of mentioned that, that when I was younger... I used to basically, if I met people at a party or just randomly university, whatever it was, back then it was obviously different from Daniela. This has nothing to do with Daniela in no way. But when I would meet people who made weird comments about Jewish people, whether they've never been around a Jewish person or they had bad thoughts about Jewish people, whatever it was, if I heard that, instead of being offended or getting defensive, I used to do this thing where I would say, especially if they were out of town, not people that lived in LA, you know, whether there were one time this girl from Spain stayed with me, one time 
time this girl from Arizona stay with me, one time a girl from Utah, it doesn't matter. But every time I met someone that I overheard them talking badly about Jewish people, especially to me, I would just be like, oh, why don't you stay with me for a week? And, you know, you're welcome to just see that we're normal people. Like, there's nothing crazy happening. And I used to always host people, like random strangers at my house, who had bad thoughts about Jewish people, just to change their mind that we're literally normal. <laughs> like, you know, because sometimes I meet these people and they would think, like, that we would sacrifice people. Like, they lit like literally have met people who thought the Jews sacrifice non-Jews on Passover or Hanukkah or whatever, one of our holidays and we drink their blood and I was like how did you know that is exactly what's happening which is why I'm inviting you to stay with me because we're missing a person that we need to sacrifice so when I would hear things like that I would just invite them over and my parents used to always be like Violetta please stop inviting strangers to stay with us because I obviously never asked them for permission before I just randomly would invite someone to stay with me not to mention as you know I did not grow up rich either. So it's not like I invited them to stay in my castle. I grew up pretty poor, but they would share my room with me for the whole week. And they would just see that there's, you know, nothing weird going on. So I've always kind of been used to randomly inviting strangers over to stay with me just for fun. Sometimes, you know, I just get lonely and I want to make people smile. So this time with Daniela, she did not say anything about Jewish people. <laughs> So no correlation there. It's definitely something I would do. I mean, hello, my Francesca Farrago. She lived with me for a couple of months after doing a podcast interview with me and us having a little makeout session one night. And after that, I was like, oh my God, do you want to move in with me? She touched my boobs and I was like, do you want to move in with me? So it's kind of the same thing <laughs> without the boob touching. But I'm going to prepare the room for Daniela and I can't wait to see her and meet her finally in person on Sunday. So I will keep you guys posted. So Daniela, if you're listening to this, shout out to you coming all the way from Portugal. Yeah, that's that. Hopefully this inspires you guys to also, you know, make friends online, not creepy ones, obviously. Make friends online, put yourself out there. This is how you make friends nowadays. You don't have to meet them at work or at a party. You can literally just meet them on the internet like I do. Most of my friends are from the internet. Why not? So that's really exciting. I think that's all I'm going to update you on today. And I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I love you. And before I go, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. If you are not subscribed, I will be so mad. And of course, download this episode. I'm trying to see something out. So be helpful and just download this episode. Click download. And yeah, I love you. And I'll see you next week. Mwah. Hi besties, we are back with another episode with me, your host, Viola Benson. So to kick off this month, we have a really fun episode for you today. Today I'm joined with author and former leader of the British government's UFO project and the world's leading UFO expert, Nick Pope. Nick has made appearances on Good Morning America and written for the New York Times, but now, most importantly, he is here with us on Almost Adulting. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nick. I'm very excited to have you on. <laughs> Well, thank you. It's great to be on the show. Okay, so I did kind of want to start from the beginning of what kind of made you get so interested in life outside of Earth? Where did this all start? It actually started almost by accident because I was a civilian employee of the UK's Ministry of Defense. And you get moved around every few years, do different jobs. And in 1991... I was due for a move and this vacancy came up, internal vacancy within the department. And they said, do you want the job? And I said, what's the job? And they said, UFOs. So I fell into it, honestly, by accident. I had no, no previous interest, no belief, no experience, you know, never seen anything strange or anything like that. And they suddenly said to me, you'll, for the next three years, you'll be running what, what they colloquially called either the UFO project, UFO program, UFO desk. Uh, my job was, was to be the subject matter expert for it, and it changed my life. So do you have a specific moment where it really sticks out to you that you knew your purpose was to bring light to the existence of aliens and UFOs? Well, I think there was a case right in the middle of my, my time on that program in 1993, and we had a wave of sightings around the UK lots of different witnesses, police officers, military personnel, describing this, this huge 
almost silent, triangular-shaped craft, hundreds of feet across, firing a narrow beam of light down at the ground, moving very, very slowly, and then accelerating away to the horizon in a split second. And I had military witnesses say to me that this thing flew over uh, at least two air bases in the UK. And our standard line on this was, oh, it's just weather balloons and swamp gas and things like that. And I've got Air Force officers telling me, Nick, you know, I see military aircraft, the speeds, the accelerations, the maneuvers every day. This is like nothing, you know, we could even dream of. And I think that was a bit of a turning point. Did you always believe in life outside of this earth in UFOs or was being part of this project starting with the government kind of what made you be like, okay, this is real? I don't say that I believed, but I probably didn't disbelieve either. I, I, I guess I had an open mind on it and I thought, you know, there's probably life out there. But really, I hadn't given it much thought until I was assigned to this particular job. But now, of course, we have things like the James Webb Space Telescope. And, and the more we find out about the universe, you know, the less special we look, the more, the more ordinary planet Earth looks. And we're just an average little planet or, orbiting around a a fairly ordinary type of star. And if you take that mindset and put it together with all the UFO data as well, then, then I think it's kind of inescapable that we'll, we'll not be alone in this huge infinite universe. I agree. I'm not sure that you can, how much information you can actually tell me, but how did you get the position of being the leader of the British government's UFO project? How are you able to discuss this? Is, it, is there still a lot of information that you're just not allowed to discuss or disclose that you just keep to yourself? Well, I'm still bound by my security oath, which is in, in the United Kingdom, it's called the Official Secrets Act. And that binds me for life. But essentially what that says is I can't discuss any classified information on, on UFOs, on anything, of course. But now we're in this new environment where, where Congress and NASA and, and even the Pentagon are talking about this much more openly than they've ever talked about it before. A lot of this information is now being declassified, so I can talk about a lot more than, than was previously the case. And so I love coming on shows like, like this so that I can play a small part, perhaps, in, in spreading the word about this. Because, you know, a few years ago, this subject was regarded as, as some sort of fringe, conspiracy, kind of crazy stuff. But now, like I say, it's, it's mainstream. Part of the British government's UFO project, what were you guys trying to accomplish with this project? Was it just to bring awareness? It was very much tied to defense and national security. So although we did engage with the public and, and for example, you know, answer, answer questions from, from lobby groups, from parliament, from the media, most of what we did was, was actually the investigations themselves. And what we, what we were trying to do was, was satisfy ourselves that there was no, no potential threat to the defense of the UK. One of the, the interesting developments is that last year, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence published a preliminary assessment on UFOs. And they said, look, there's not going to be a single cause for all these sightings. Some of it may be Russia or China. Some of it may be our own black project technology, secret prototype aircraft, missiles, drones, that sort of things. And some of it might be something else, maybe even something extraterrestrial. So that's what we had. We, we didn't go in trying to prove or disprove. We just went where the data took us. Do you know where there has been the most UFO sightings in the world? Is there a specific place? It, it probably is the United States. Why? <laughs> Are they just so fascinated with us? <laughs> I, well, that might be part of it. But the other thing is that it's... There are probably some statistical biases. For all we know, there may be a lot of sightings in parts of Africa or Asia that we're just not hearing about because of the language, the culture, the nature of some of the regimes, some, some of the you know, totalitarian countries, some of the, the kind of you know, Middle Eastern religious theocracies that probably much, you know, don't discuss this. So we, we probably never know. But uh, yeah, Pop culture has probably got a lot 
to do with it as well. We've got a media here in the US that's fascinated by this. We've got all the Hollywood sci-fi movies. So I think it's like the perfect storm. What's the silliest question you've ever gotten when it comes to what you do and to UFOs? Well, I'm not sure it's silly, but I mean, a lot of people obviously literally believe that we have crashed UFOs and dead aliens in the freezer and that sort of thing. So, so sometimes it's the questions about that. Whereas the reality of, of investigating UFOs for the government, sadly, isn't quite like the X-Files. It's much more based on what did the military pilots see? What was tracked on radar? Was it filmed with the forward-looking infrared cameras that, that we have mounted on the jets? So when people say, you know, tell us about the aliens that you've got. Um, do they have arms or tentacles? And are there any, are you keeping any alive still? That's, I guess that's a little silly, but, but you know, I try not, I, I try not to laugh at it because I shouldn't disparage people's beliefs. There, there are lots of conspiracy theories about this, that there's a cover up. I mean, you can't blame people for thinking or asking questions like that because obviously if you see something you're not familiar with, you're going to want to research it or study it. And you said that there's certain things are classified that you guys can never say. So it's like the CAA. CAA is not going to tell everything. Exactly. And, and the government, I'll be honest, the government hasn't done itself any favors on this subject over the years. I think a combination of excessive secrecy and sometimes a very closed-minded attitude, whether it's the media, whether it's the public, has made them suspicious that the government isn't telling everything it knows on UFOs. And even Congress right now it is blatantly saying to the Department of Defense, to the Defense Intelligence Agency, to a lot of other parts of the intelligence community, come on, you know, we, we want to know what you know. And there is a suspicion, even in Congress, that there are these kind of legacy programs. Everyone talks about Roswell, for example, 1947. We still haven't gotten to, to the bottom of that. As much as people want to know everything, I think sometimes we don't want to know everything. There's certain things I think if we knew, we would wish we didn't. Because some things I think are scarier. Than, than, and I think a lot of times, as much as the government sometimes is a little much, I think a lot of times they are protecting people from certain things that we probably rather not know because then you don't know what to do that, with that information. You know what I mean? What if all this is true and there is some great secret that is too too terrible to be told, like, like we are just, as, as some people believe, in a simulation and that the universe as we perceive it is, is just a science project, you know, for some extraterrestrial kid in computer class and and that any day now the project might be over and they may hit delete? Or what if planet Earth is a, a farm or a prison? I mean, these, these theories are out there. What's the wildest conspiracy theory you've ever heard when it comes to UFOs, except the fact that you keep them in the fridge? I guess it's the idea that there are aliens among us, and that's pretty, pretty wild. But in one sense, I... I understand why people believe that, because after all, if you believe that we're being visited and then you might say, well, I wonder why they're coming here and, and like assuming they aren't coming here to eat us or to, to exterminate us or conquer us or anything like that. One of the good answers to that question is that they're coming here as, as scientists to study us, that they're coming as anthropologists to observe this newly emerging civilization. And if that's true, like when we study the wildlife, we'd want to get a really good sense of it. We'd want to get in there amongst them, like set up a hide, you know. So the idea that if we're being visited, they might want to actually not just watch us from orbit, but come down, it does make some sense. So that's, that's one answer. The other answer to your question is, what if we're dealing with artificial intelligence? What if we're being visited, but it's AI? And they're sort of robots, but but with with sentience. But how come they always come to us and we never get to meet them when we go visit other planets? Since there's obviously the Earth is just one of many planets they're circulating, you know? So why is it just them always coming to us? Are they just bored? I don't get it. I think the problem is the distance. We've only just managed to put 
I suppose, what is it now, 12 people on the moon. We haven't even gotten people to Mars yet, let alone any, anywhere further in our solar system. I mean, if you, if you like, look at light speed, it takes one and a half seconds for light to get from the moon to the Earth, but it takes over four years for light to get from the nearest star, aside from our own sun. And that would be the closest that aliens were. So we haven't gotten, we just haven't got the technology yet to do that. But in a universe nearly 14 billion years old, there might be civilizations out there with millions of years head start on us that have figured out that technology. So that's, that's the answer. We've just taken a few little baby steps into space. Somebody might have done the whole enchilada. Do you think time is a construct and then in other planets, time is completely different than the time that we have here? Wow, that's, that is a, a really difficult question because, <laughs> because no, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult question because it is so tied up with physics and, and maybe advanced theoretical physics. We do know that, that time slows down as you speed up. So, so for example, they did an experiment where they synchronized two atomic clocks and they set one on Earth and they put one in a, an orbiting space capsule. And the times were indeed different when, when they brought it back down again. So in that sense, yes, absolutely. Now, now whether there are layers above and beyond that, I, I don't know. But some, you know, some people think when they see UFOs and and when you see these little entities that people call the greys that look humanoid and people say, why would that be? Some people say, well, maybe they're not aliens. Maybe they're time travelers from the future. And why not? Why not? Yes. Okay. So that would be my conspiracy theory. My conspiracy theory is because I believe in parallel universes. So I always wonder what if it's not UFOs? What if they actually look just like us? We just can't tell based on the different speeds or whatever it is or just it something's different and people from parallel universes are accidentally like visiting our earth just from different times this has nothing to do with ufos obviously but this is just something i've always was really curious about how sometimes if you have quote unquote deja vu some say they, the deja vu is not oh wait this already happened this already happened supposedly in the parallel universe of you <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. I've heard that. And, and, you know, again, a few years ago, people might have dismissed that as, as kind of fringe. But now, for example, physicists like Michio Kaku uh, are doing experiments and actively looking for so-called hidden dimensions. And if you look at string theory, equations, which is one, one kind of theory about the way the universe is, you need multiple dimensions. But you know, a really good way to look at this is, is if you look out of the window, you obviously only see in a very narrow range. But we know that, that the electromagnetic spectrum is much wider than what we see, and that there's infrared and ultraviolet, things that we just can't perceive but they're no less real and sound as well. You know, you and I will only hear a very narrow band, but a dog, for example, will hear all sorts of things that humans can't. And maybe reality 
as we perceive it, is like that. As you say, with, with other universes, right alongside next to ours, but somehow we can't quite perceive them. But maybe sometimes there's a leakage. But then if time is a construct, then how is that that we age? And then if we we age based on this time, does that mean if we visited a different planet that has different time, we would age faster? <laughs> Sorry. I know I sound like I'm very high. I'm, I'm sober. I'm just very curious. But, but no, these, these, are, these are wild concepts, but they are all essentially true. It's like the atomic clock um, experiment. If, if you took two identical twins and one stayed on Earth... And when our technology is a little bit better, if one went to a nearby star, because of the acceleration and things, the, the twin that went on the, the space program would, would stay much younger. And the time, the voyage would seem much shorter. So to that twin, it might seem like months. And, and back on Earth, it would be years and years, and the other twin would be elderly. And, and that, that kind of stuff is proven. It's all wrapped up with physics. That's the way time works. So, so when you say time is a construct and it's, it's relative, I mean, you are literally right. This is, this is Albert Einstein and relativity, I guess. Wow, that's really crazy. So that actually would mean that if the twin went to that other place, they will most likely die because their body wouldn't be able to handle such a dramatic uh, switch. If they figured out a way to get around that, what it would mean is, is if, if that twin then went there and came back, um, they'd be 40. The other twin would be 80. Wow. I'm picking those numbers out of my head, but the principle, the, it's the principle. I'm just so always been fascinated with time. So that is just mind blowing to even think of that concept. That's insane. So let's talk about the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, AATIP. Based on the title alone, the average person like myself wouldn't know that that was really the Pentagon's secret UFO program. Do you think this was done intentionally? And if so, why? I'm absolutely sure it was deliberate. Yes, it, I think... It enabled the U.S. government for years to say we don't have a UFO program, and and to this day, the Pentagon will say that this was a program about next generation aerospace and weapon threats to the U.S. And it sounds it's, it sounds like a real mouthful, but it sounds like it's all going to be Russia and China. But when they wrote to Congress about it and they listed the things that they were studying, it was all like anti-gravity, invisibility, warp drive, all the sorts of technologies that, that UFOs would probably have. And, and so I think it was a way to keep this program off the radar, not just with the media and the public, but even with, within the department, because some people in the, the Pentagon who were very skeptical about this, would have wanted to have killed a UFO program. But this was a way that, that even within the Department of Defense, they, they were able to kind of do it almost covertly without their colleagues knowing. Right. In the 2018 letter that was written to Senator John McCain, they mentioned how it was to investigate foreign advanced aerospace weapon threats. And I think that was cryptic in a way because you're like, how foreign is foreign? So do you think that was regarding, like you said, potential threats and attacks from aliens? I think it was a bit of everything because I think the bottom line is we still don't know what we're dealing with here. I mentioned the preliminary assessment that was sent to Congress by the, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence last year. There was supposed to be a follow-up report due by October 31st. Now, it's late, and there's a lot of speculation about why it's late, but the smart money says it's late because they, they can't figure out what they're dealing with, and there are, different, there are two different factions within the government. There is a faction that thinks this is all just Russia and China and maybe 
anything else is a glitch on the radar or a fault with the camera or stuff like that. But there is a faction that says, wait a minute, these things do speeds and maneuvers that we can't match. We shouldn't rule out the idea that some of this is, is extraterrestrial. And these two factions have been doing background briefings with various defense journalists over the last few weeks. And it's, it's obvious that they're kind of trying to push their respective theories about this. So you get some very skeptical media arguments saying it's all just drones from, from China or, or, or wherever. And then you get some other articles saying, what if it's aliens? And they just don't know. So, so again, it's back to the idea that there isn't a single solution to this, this question. Why would China or Russia even do something like that where it makes other countries or other people believe that it's aliens while they're just sending drones? What, what would be the purpose of that? Firstly, I mean, that may not be their intention. They may just be doing espionage and we may be just misperceiving a very advanced drone. What if China has made a, a, a kind of quantum leap breakthrough in drone technology? One thing that they would definitely do with that is use it for espionage on the United States, on, and particularly on the military, the nuclear facilities, the aircraft carriers, the submarines, that sort of thing. And some people say that's, that's all that's happening. But others say, yeah, it, it is a great cover story. What, if you could convince someone that this is aliens, most of the government won't take it seriously. It's the best almost kind of deception operation in history because you've only got to say the phrase space aliens and a lot of, a lot of senior generals are going to say, don't waste my time. And maybe if it is China, they'll be going, hey, great, they, it worked. So this sort of thing happens. Well, it, it happens all the time in the world of intelligence. It's all smoke and mirrors and and bluff and counter bluff and deception. In Hollywood or in the movies that you watch, when we look at aliens, it's it's always they're just green cartoon looking creatures or really scary. Can you kind of speak on what they may actually potentially look like? Well, I go back to the idea that that one of the most logical things is that that we might be dealing with artificial intelligence and AI particularly if it was sentient AI, so self-aware, intelligent, would want to you know, protect itself, to reproduce, to expand. And one way to do that would be to, to build multiple replicas of itself and send them around the universe. And, and so I think the, the answer to what they might look like would would be something like well like a silicon chip but then to protect it they'd probably embed it in in a really tough metallic sphere or cube and and so something like like that but there's another theory you say your theory and then I'll say mine well my other theory is that when a design works really well you'll get lots of different versions of it, even if the different animals aren't necessarily closely related, and that's so-called convergent evolution. If it turns out that humans are quite a good design, I mean, we've got legs to move us around, we've got arms and hands to pick things up and opposable thumbs to grip things, eyes to see things, um, it, it looks like quite a good design, and it's been very successful. We, of all the animals on Earth, we've built the most technologically advanced civilization. I mean, there's some tool use with, with other animals, but it's pretty basic kind of cracking open nuts and things. We've built stealth fighters and, and rockets. So, so if that's right and that we are a good design, my other theory is that there might be a lot of life out there that looks exactly like us. Right. So my theory, I just came up with this theory. You reminded me how us as humans, because there's all the infrared colors, we don't actually see the real colors and we can't actually see half of what's out there. So what if we're as humans are not designed to see 
what aliens actually look like. We don't really know what they look like. It's our eyes can only show us that as much. So we see them as these green figures or these weird creatures, but really they look completely like us. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a really good idea. And you know what? I've heard a similar theory to that in relation to ghosts, for example. And and how many times do you hear the story with a ghost sighting that that say an animal, usually like a dog, senses it first and, and their, their fur kind of rises up and they, and they start growling or something. And they, they're obviously perceiving, seeing perhaps something that we can't. So you may be completely right that we, our sensory mechanisms may just not be up to the job of perceiving something, but maybe occasionally we just get a glimpse of something, whether it's extraterrestrials, whether it's ghosts, whether it's something from the future, from a parallel universe, all of, all of the paranormal and the unexplained might be just something that's, that's real, but just beyond our grasp, but just every now and then we get a glimpse, a tiny glimpse of it. Right. In our minds, we believe everything, everything we tell ourselves, our minds will make it to be true and we believe it. So that whole theory of aliens walking among us, looking like humans, maybe that's because that's all we can see. So to us, they look like humans, but to each other, they can maybe be able to tell like, oh, hey, you're from planet blah, blah, blah. I know you. So <laughs> just a thought. I don't know. No, I mean, our, our understanding of the universe, you know, has has evolved from thinking that thunder and lightning were angry gods. I mean, that's what people believed just really a few thousand years ago. And now we understand those mechanisms. So you're right. What other, what other things that we don't currently understand might, in, you know, in a few hundred or thousand years time, we might have figured it out. And we may find that it's completely different to the world we think we're living in now. I think so. What are your thoughts on how the media has a perception of UFOs where aliens come on spaceships and then suck people up? How far off is the truth from that? The honest answer is we don't know, but it's like chicken and egg. So for example, when Chris Carter created the X-Files, for years before that, he went to UFO conferences and he sat at the back and took notes. So when you see these abduction stories and some of the, the UFOs, it's not necessarily that sci-fi writers and, and creators and directors made it up. Sometimes they borrowed it from what people in the UFO community were saying they'd experienced. People do say that these things happen. The problem is, Unlike with the UFOs, where we do have now some really good data like radar, like US Navy videos taken from, from the infrared cameras mounted on the jets that have chased some of these things. With, with the abductions, really, to be honest, we only have the, the people's stories, so it's much more difficult. But, but Hollywood loves that sort of thing. I guess fear sells, so often it's made a little bit dark side and and people talk up the alien threat. But that's not to say there aren't upbeat movies too, like E.T. and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But, but a lot of times when you get alien movies, it's alien invasion. And like I say, that's, that's because of the old saying, fear sells. Right, but then technically the programs that have started here have to do with making sure that there are no attacks from outside, uh, from space. So technically the invasions would make sense if people would fear the invasions because literally the whole programs, including the program you were running, has to do with weapons from outside, from space. You know what I mean? Yes. We, we probably wouldn't have any of those programs funded if we didn't describe it in terms of a potential threat. But it does go back to the old saying that it's better to assume there's a threat and then be relieved if it doesn't materialize, then assume everything's going to be fine and then get caught out if it suddenly does go south. So, so that's part of it. The, I mean, the other part is funding. If you go like with these programs like ATIP, if, if they go 
and say, can we study aliens and have some funds for it, they will be told no. If they say, there are things in our airspace, we don't know what they are, we need to satisfy ourselves that it's not a, a defense threat, so, someone will say, yeah, go do it. So it's all, it's kind of the same thing, but just dressed up in a different way. What are your thoughts on all the people out there who say they've been abduct, abducted by aliens? It, since obviously there's no way to prove it. Is there, do you think there's any truth to it or is it just someone that's gone mad? No, well, you know, it's like with UFOs. When, when I say there's no single answer with UFOs, I think it's the same with the abductions. Some of the accounts, let's be honest, will just be made up. I mean, with UFOs too, but you know, people, people love pranks and telling tales and, and some people like doing it for attention or to put one over on, on someone. So some of these accounts will just be made up. Some, some may be really vivid dreams or hallucinations, but I go back to that point I made earlier about what if the positions were reversed and, and we were we were studying a primitive planet. You look at the wildlife documentaries. Again, what's the thing that we sometimes do? We shoot them with a tranquilizer gun. We, we put a little implant under the skin so that we can track them, and then we let them go. Well, when, when the lion wakes up from that, the lion probably goes back to the rest of the pride and say, hey, you'll never believe what happened. You know, they, they kind of took me. I was, I was on this table. They did some medical thing and then they let me go. And the rest of the lions will go, you're just crazy. But it will be true. So there is a kind of logic that if we are being studied by extraterrestrial anthropologists, that they might just do something like that. Why not? Yeah, that does make sense. Um, there are a lot of conspiracies surrounding Area 51. I feel like that is the most talked about thing that anyone that doesn't know anything about UFOs knows, Area 51. Can you tell us any truths about it? Are they really hiding aliens there? What's the deal with that place? If they are, they, they didn't tell me. I mean, Area 51 exists. I, I mean, obviously, it is the place in Nevada where, where they test fly a lot of, I mean, going back in aviation history, some of the most iconic aircraft, spy planes, you know, that sort of thing. They've all been tested at Area 51, the U-2, the SR-71 Blackbird, the stealth fighter, the stealth bomber. Um, they've probably got things there now that, that we won't hear about for 20 years. And, and maybe th those would look like UFOs to people. So that might be part of it. But yeah, if, if those conspiracy theories are true, and if some part of the government that, that I don't know about really does have crashed UFOs and, and that sort of thing, I guess it's common sense that you'd have to put it somewhere and putting them on in this remote area where you can't even get past the boundary without being arrested let alone get anywhere near, that, that would be a, a logical place. Although another logical place, now that's so well known, is, is put it somewhere no one's ever heard of. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, or put in plain sight so then no one is ever questioning it. <laughs> Don't they always say the best way to hide something is to put in plain sight? Yes, the best place to hide a book is in a library. So 
Absolutely. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some museum of sci-fi, you know, that has an X-Fighter and a, a, a TIE Fighter, X-Wing Fighter and the TIE Fighters from Star Wars. And maybe the real deal is right next to it. I don't know. So since you are part of the UFO intelligence in um, England, for someone who's not as familiar with these things, like me and some of my listeners, do you guys basically in every country talk amongst yourselves with any sightings that you have or do countries normally keep a lot of the sightings to themselves? How, do, how does that work? Countries keep it to themselves. There's very little collaboration on this. Every now and then somebody says, maybe the United Nations should take a lead on this. And they don't, they don't want to touch this subject. I mean, I think it's too contentious. It's too divisive. They've got other things to, to be doing. But uh, yeah, there's surprisingly little collaboration, even between the United Kingdom and the United States, who are usually so close on so many issues. Uh, for example, with, with the US now having hearings and congressional briefings and intelligence reports going to Congress, you would think that the UK would follow, but we're not. The UK is, is publicly saying we don't want to do any of this. So there's a real split on this issue. Okay, but let's say we find that there is truth, full truth about life elsewhere, then where do we go from there? What do we do with that information? Let's say we're like, oh yeah, you know what? There is aliens, they live on Mars. One of them came to Earth and then they went back to Mars. And uh, yeah, so like what happens then? <laughs> what do we do with that? Well, I think two things. Firstly, we have to rewrite the story of, of humanity and, and who we are and what our place is in the universe and, and finding out that we're not alone that there are not just other life, but other civilizations, other intelligences. It would have profound implications, I think, for almost every aspect of our lives, whether it's politics, religion, science, technology, philosophy and belief, or everything. But I think on the practical side, the, what I would be most interested in is what's the technology that enables them to come here in a situation where we are not yet smart enough to go out and travel to other star systems. It's, it's just beyond us. Because if we could get our hands on advanced technology, we could go to the stars, but what other advanced technology might they have? And might that help solve some of the big problems that we have here on Earth? I mean, what if we could use technology to, to end you know, disease, poverty, hunger, those, those sorts of things. Right. There is life elsewhere. Do you believe that, right? Oh, completely. Yeah. I'm 100% sure that there's life out there. I think there's a good chance we've been visited, but I don't know that for sure. And I, I can't give you a smoking gun. So all, all I can say is that I think the next few years are going to be absolutely pivotal for this. And just as this whole subject has come from fringe to mainstream in the last five years, with everything that's now, now going on with Congress and NASA and the Pentagon, I think, I think if there's life out there, we might find that smoking gun with, within a few years. Okay. And is there any specific reason you think it's going to happen within the next few years or just because people, uh, the Congress and the governments are starting to be more open about this. I think that's part of it. It's a big part of it. Previously, a lot of people in government were quite closed-minded about this. Now they are genuinely looking. And I think, you know, in one sense, you, you're most likely to find something if you're actually looking for it in the first place. I mean, sure, sometimes you stumble across something, but most times when you find something, you find because you're looking and you, you've got a pretty good idea where to look. So I think the NASA study, the congressional interest, the Department of Defense, the military, that's a big part of it. But I think the other part is our own technology, that we are getting these next generation telescopes like James Webb that, that will help us perhaps find that trail of 
breadcrumbs that, that will lead us to the biggest discovery of all time. And it will be. I think, I've, I mean, I've always believed there's other life out there. I think it's a pretty, a pretty self-absorbed view of life to just assume we're, the world revolves around us, even though it's been proven that it doesn't, and that we are the only ones to exist. So I think that's kind of insane if anyone believes that it really is just us. That's so odd to me. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's very small-minded to think we're the only game in town when there's a whole universe out there. Right. Stephen Hopkins warned that con contacting aliens could have catastrophic consequences for the human race. Why do you think he said that and do you agree with him? Yeah, it's it's quite a famous warning. He said he said it's all about the imbalance in technology and he used the example of when when the European uh, explorers encountered the Native Americans and he said that didn't end too well for the Native Americans and he said therefore if we are visited by advanced extraterrestrials we will find out we being humanity what it felt like to be one of the Native Americans. So, so that was Stephen Hawking's warning. I mean, I think in one way, I do understand it. On the other hand, there's not much we can do about it because with our television and radio broadcasts, we've been detectable for, for decades. So any civilizations out there that are capable of threatening us are already aware of us. Yeah. What is the most quote unquote famous or notable UFO sighting to this day? Roswell. It's, it's got to be Roswell. Sometime in the summer of 1947, no one knows the exact date, but something crashed. That's, that's not disputed. Something crashed in the, the desert in New Mexico and was then recovered and taken to the, it was an army base at the time. They said, we have discovered one of these flying discs because for, for a few weeks before that, there had been strange flying discs seen around the United States. And then the military essentially put out or caused a press release to be put out where they said, we've, we've recovered one of these flying discs. That, that much is historical record. Nobody disputes that. What then happened is 24 hours later, they issued another statement to say they'd made a, a mistake and it was just a weather balloon. And back in those days, people were much more trusting of the government, of, of authority. And there was no media was once a day newspaper. A lot of people in that area didn't even have a telephone in their homes. There was no internet. There was no social media. So the story, people believed it, and the story was forgotten for decades. Then it was rediscovered back in the late 70s. And now, I mean, there have been movies about it, the, everything. So, yeah, if you stop someone in the street, even if they've got no interest in UFOs, there's a good chance they'll have heard of Roswell and they'll say, oh, that, that, that's that place where that thing crashed, right? Obviously, there's so many conspiracy theories out there. And I've read that there's even conspiracy theories about you. And one of the conspiracy theories is that you're still currently working for the British government. What do you have to say about that? Well, it's one of those things where I can't prove a negative. So I, I understand that people believe that. Some people think that I'm put out to be the friendly voice on this, whose, whose mission is to try and acclimatize people to the reality of this so, so that it won't be a big shock when it does get announced. I mean, I, I promise you that that's not true. But like I say, I can't prove it's, it's not. I mean, in one sense, if I, if I said to you, oh, I'll let you look at my bank accounts so that you can see that I'm not getting a salary from the government. You could turn around and say, well, maybe you've got another account. So there's, I could never disprove it. All I can say is, I'm a nice guy, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, usually when guys say that, it's the opposite. I, or how about this? I used to work for the government, you can trust me. No, that doesn't work either. <laughs> <laughs> no.
<laughs> what would you say your proudest accomplishment has been of your life's work? Wow, that's a really interesting question that I've not been asked before. Can I, I'm not sure there's a single moment, but I'll pick three. First was that I played a role, I mentioned earlier that, that the British government had declassified and released a lot of its UFO files. I, I came back, I'd taken early retirement when that happened, but I came back, I helped with that program, I did a lot of interviews to promote it, I recorded an interview for the National Archives making the official announcement. Um, so that's definitely one thing. And another thing is, I think, if there's one TV show that kind of epitomizes people's fascination with all of this, it's Ancient Aliens. And, and so I'm proud to be involved as one of the contributors on that show. And not only is it a show that's, that's run now for 14 years, but they have a a fan convention called Alien Con. They have a live show that tours around different cities called Ancient Aliens Live. And, and that's just such a good way to, to bring this subject to, to people. Um, so that's, that's another one. But also I think the people that it's been my honor and privilege to meet, whether it's physicists like Michio Kaku, whether, whether it's, it's government people with backgrounds in this subject, like Luis Elizondo, who, who ran the ATIP program. It's, it's all about the people, and there are some amazing people. Leslie Kane, one of the journalists that broke the story of ATIP in the New York Times back in December 2017. Um, many, many more people too numerous to mention, but great UFO researchers, great journalists, Stephen Greenstreet, John Greenwald Jr., who runs something called the Black Vault, which has done a lot of great Freedom of Information Act work on this. Stephen Greenstreet at the New York Post created a series called The Basement Office that looks at that. Oh, wow, there are, there are just so many people. So I, I'm not sure that's my achievement, but it's, it's the consequence of my kind of being in this field, that it's been my pleasure to meet these amazing, smart people. And, you know, Chris Carter, who I mentioned earlier, who created the X-Files. What a genius. You know, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson, who, who acted in it. Yeah, I mean, you seem very passionate about this, which is that's always the best. My favorite part when I interview people is to talk to someone who's very passionate about their life's work. Obviously, it shows that it has a lot of meaning to you. I will say, though, that you did just prove the conspiracy theory to be correct when you mentioned the first part of you coming back from retirement to help with the files. Oh, to coming but out. in one sense. So in a way. <laughs> yes, I suppose so. Although I have to say we didn't hide that. I mean, that was done quite openly just because I think the National Archives recognized that I was a, a, a public figure on, on this. Right. But to, if you want to hide a book, you put it in the library. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I'm sorry. You've got me. I mean, I can't deny that. The, you know. What's one of your favorite questions you've ever been asked uh, that you really want to share with us now so we can have that information as well? I mentioned these live shows that we're doing, Ancient Aliens Live. Um, one of the things that, that we do is we reach out to the the ancient aliens community and, and say, send in your questions for the live shows so I can put them to the panel. And the question that really I thought was brilliant was somebody said, if you ever met an alien and could ask one question, what would you ask? That's a good one. Now, my answer to the question, and it's maybe this is my secret government ninja kind of answer. It's a trick. It's a trick question. My, my question would be, what's the smartest thing I could ask you? Because even if I didn't get an answer in terms of information about something, it would steer us to the one thing that's truly important. 
I love that because a lot of times you ask someone something and there's like, you're asking the wrong question. Wait, so what's the smartest thing I could ask you? <laughs> Am I still working for the government secretly? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I already asked it, yes. <laughs> but yes, probably, because I think that that would untangle whether what I was telling people was information or as some people believe disinformation or misinformation. So that might be the smartest question you could ask me. But of course, with all of this, you know, it's one thing to ask a question, but how do we know, even if we could ask an alien an answer, a question, how do we know the answer would be truthful? Right. It's kind of like when you ask a cop, are you a cop? You have to tell me because I asked you and you're a cop. <laughs> it's just kind of the same thing when people do that with cops. <laughs> and all of this is a variation on, on the old fable of, of the genie and the three wishes. And how many times do you hear jokes or, or folk tales about how, how somebody asks for the wrong thing? And, I mean, there's even an X-Files episode about it. Somebody asks for invisibility and then they get run down by a truck because they can't see them. So, so there's, there's, like, there's always a twist in the tale. If you had a chance tomorrow to go live on a different planet, uh, would you do that? Only if I could take Elizabeth, my wife, with me. No, you can't. Then I would stay. Tempting though it would be. And I would just say, I would love to know, but, but I'm not going. But if the both of us could go, um, she doesn't like the cold. So as long as it's a warm planet, Maybe, maybe a little warmer than Earth, then we're up for it. <laughs> Although with time being a construct, you may go there and only have a year to live there. But if it was only a year on an alien planet to do something that no one else had done, I, I think I might roll the dice and, and go for that one. What is one thing that you would want to leave the, uh, my listeners with? I think I'm borrowing a phrase from, from one of the other great heroes in this subject right now, Professor Avi Loeb at Harvard. And he sometimes talks about the awe and the wonder of this, of the universe, but also of the possibility that there might be other civilizations. So I'd, I'd like to leave your, your listeners with, with that sense that this isn't just a science problem, even though it is, and it's a a darned interesting one, but it's, it's much, much more than that. It is something that, as I mentioned earlier, will likely impact every aspect of our, our lives. And, and I think the moment, the day we find out it's not just us, we will have our eyes and minds opened to amazing things. There could be amazing things out there so it is that awe and wonder that I would like to leave people with. I love that. I almost feel like it's humans tend to ruin everything. People are always so afraid of monsters, of UFOs, of ghosts. And I always think what you should be scared of is what's right in front of you, which is each other, other humans. So almost sometimes I wish that we wouldn't find life out there because I think I'm afraid that in a way we would ruin it. You know what I mean? With our curiosity. Although if it's more advanced than us, maybe, maybe they could be teachers. And, and yeah, we've managed to mess an awful lot of things up. And a lot of humanity's history, and indeed present, is pretty dark side. We're a civilization that has, and still has, you know, torture and... and prejudice and hate and and we've had concentration camps and and you know warfare on an industrial scale and and maybe advanced enlightened altruistic extraterrestrials could could fulfill a role of of teachers to guide this unruly badly behaved civilization and I know I'm sounding a little new age now and I don't mean to. No, I like that thought. Well, it ties back into the awe and the wonder. What might we discover? And the answer to that might be we might discover a better way of doing things. I would love that. Um, what are you currently working on? I'm doing a lot of Ancient Aliens live events. Uh, I've just 
in the last couple of days returned from doing three back-to-back ones. We already have 14 in the diary for for next year. So that's going to keep me busy, plus the Alien Con in March in Pasadena. Uh, I'd like to write some more books. It's just, you know, I haven't really had the time. I do some news reports. I mentioned this overdue report to Congress. When that does drop, I will probably do some TV news shows to to promote that because a lot of times the media, because of my background, come to me and ask me to give a sort of insider's perspective and commentary on on that. So with everything going on, I'm I'm pretty busy. So what are you currently passionate about? Just everything you just said. <laughs> I think James Webb is absolutely marvelous. Um, also the Artemis mission going back to the moon. That's great. Humanity's future is going to be in space. It's going to have to be. I mean, one day our sun will expand. And even though that's a long, long time in the future, eventually we're going to have to move and spread out. So that's why I love space and the space program. So the James Webb Space Telescope, the Artemis program. Um, But ultimately, we're going to have to go further than that to, to Mars and then to the stars. Where can people find you? My website is nickpope.net, and that's got links to my social media, but the platform I use most is Twitter, which is pretty fun, and my handle there is at, oh, this is going to be a conspiracy theory. It's at nickpopemod, and the MOD stands for Ministry of Defense. So I guess people will say, wow, he really is still working for them, but I'm not. But it is on Twitter, at nickpopemod. Okay, got it. So we'll definitely put that in the description so you guys can find him. If you have any questions, follow him. And um, yeah, thank you so much again for coming on the show. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I enjoyed giving it. Very much. (laughs) And I will see you guys next week. Have a beautiful day. Bye.